Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Well, hey guys, we are in part two of our series, Summer Mixtape. And this series is all about finding those things within our own lives that need to be rejuvenated or reevaluated or just recommitted to. Almost that like boost that a, a playlist has on a long drive that just makes it go by so much easier. This series is is an opportunity for us to, to drill down on a couple of different areas and just see, hey, God, what is it that you want me to focus on in this unique season that is known as summer? And so I'm really excited about it. Last week, we, we saw that the enemy of spiritual maturity is misordering our priorities. And we saw in the rich young ruler's life that he thought he wanted what Jesus was offering until he heard the cost. And so many times we assume that the cost was well, his stuff, his money, his possessions. But really what Jesus was saying is, I shouldn't have to compete with stuff for your heart. And Jesus is communicating the same thing to us when it comes to our priorities. And so it was just a, a challenging message as we, we jumped in. And this week, I want to talk to you about forgiveness. And immediately, what, what you're probably thinking is, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know I need to forgive my mother-in-law. I know I need to forgive my, my brother and that, that boss that said that mean thing or that boss that fired me. I know I need to work on that forgiveness. And, and those are extremely important, valuable. And yes, you do. That, you need to work on that part of the forgiveness. But today, I actually want to talk to you about, have you fully accepted your own forgiveness? That are there places in your heart, in your life, in your mind, in your soul that you haven't fully accepted the forgiveness that comes from your heavenly father through Jesus? And this, this, this honestly wasn't the direction I was planning on going with the message, but as I got into it, I, I just felt like this, this shift in my spirit. And the words that I heard, I felt this prompting in my spirit is that you have been forgiven for more. We're going to talk about that today and unpack that a little bit more. But I, I honestly believe that whenever this happens, this, this shift, that there's something that God is trying to communicate to me and he's also trying to communicate it to you. And so I'm excited for you to hear what I feel like the Lord has put on my heart for this week, that you have been forgiven or more. As we jump in, believe it or not, I, I didn't always anticipate being a pastor. That wasn't always the plan. And sometimes in my life, I thought that I was going to end up running one of my dad's restaurants in New Orleans. There are other times where I thought I was going to be the leader of a street racing crew, like in Fast and the Furious. <laughs> I've worked in banking, worked in retail. There was there's so many things that, that my life was going in different directions, leading worship for over 15 years, like so many different things. 
But one part that, that I always look back on with regrets and, you know, some challenge is in my late teen years, in my early 20s, I was a bit of a hot mess. I was still trying to figure out a lot of things, as most people do at that age. But my lessons were learned in so many different ways. For most of you that have known us, you know that Lauren and I met at summer camp and she she was smitten for some reason, don't really know why, but she pursued me with persistence and endurance and she was going to have us connected until she asked me finally to go to her prom. Well, the problem was we lived about two and a half hours apart from each other. And so I, I hopped in my little Honda, Honda Civic and Apparently, I was far too busy or far too important to, like, get dressed. I mean, these these things, you know, I, why, why would I ever do those things at 19 years old? Put real adult people clothes on. So I, I showed up to her house in a tank top, some baggy sweatpants, mixed match flip-flops and a beanie that was straining with all of its might to hold in my massive fro. Yes, I had a massive fro. It would it would come down to like massive curly fro, but when it wasn't fixed, it was very large. <laughs> and so my assumption was because her dad was a pastor, he would be in the office, he would be doing some things. Oh, no. No, no. 19-year-old Danny rolls out of the Civic, shows up to the front door looking a hot mess. And who is the one who opens the door? Her dad. He opens the door. He looks me up and down, takes a deep breath, and just yells with sarcasm dripping in his words, Lauren, your date is here. I wish you could have saw her face as she came around the corner, all happy. And just like, what are you doing? Eventually, we were madly in love, but, but I was still struggling. My calling and my maturity were miles apart. I was struggling to, to connect those two. And I'll never forget sitting in the church parking lot with Lauren and, and her saying, you have so much in you. I see in you what, what no one else sees, including you. But you got to get your stuff together because I can't wait much longer for it to show up. And so we, we went on a break. We broke up for like a week. And it was, it was in that moment, that, that shot to the system, that I, I realized that it was time. It was time to get myself together and... I was living with some guys who didn't necessarily feel the need to, to pay all of the bills on time. And so I was showing up to a house that had no power, no water. It was so hot, I would have to sleep in my car with the AC running all night, sucking in all the fumes. Don't know how I didn't kill myself doing that foolishness. Thankfully, it was outside. But I finally hit this breaking point where I said, God, okay. I give up, man. I can't run anymore. I've been trying to do it my own way. I've been, 
I've been living under my own strength. I've been ignoring what you've wanted me to do with my life. I've been ignoring the fact that I know it's time for me to, to grow up and lean into what you've called me to do. Where you go, I will go. Where you want me to humble myself, I will humble myself. What you want me to say, I will say. What you want me to do, I will do. I surrender it all to you. And I trust you. And it was in that moment that I felt like my faith journey went from somebody else's faith to my own. It was in that moment that I realized I had served him for years. I had served in church. I had done ministry stuff for these years. But this is the first time that I was doing it with a true dependence and a true depth of relationship with him. And everything changed. Lauren and I got back together, obviously, and, and the rest is history. But in that season, I learned a really important lesson, and it still rings true today, almost 20 years later, that when we received God's grace, it's not just a solution for our sin, but a forgiveness for more. That it wasn't just a solution to solve this one singular problem, but that God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness was actually opening the door for so much more than we can imagine. And as that, those words were ringing in my spirit, I was reminded of Moses and God's relationship as they were navigating this transition out of hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt, and they are now on their way to the promised land. And the Israelites had seen God do miracle after miracle already. He had done things that no one could imagine he could do for them. But they were hard-headed, and they were stubborn, and they just, they refused to stay locked in on God. And so in the story, Moses goes up to the mountain and he, he receives the Ten Commandments from God. And as they're up there, the Lord goes, the people down there, they're acting fool, they're going crazy. You need to get back down there. When Moses gets back down there, he sees that they had built this golden calf. The people had given up on God and they've given up on Moses. And we're like, we don't know where this joke is at. So why don't we, we need something to worship? And so one of the leaders, he says, I don't know what happened. We, I, I collected all the gold from them and, and I put it in the fire and poof, somehow this cow came out. So we just started worshiping it. It's like, we're, for what? Are you kidding me? Are you for real right now? So Moses in his anger, he slams the tablets down and they shatter everywhere. The original Ten Commandments. And he reprimands them and he goes back to the mountain. And then this is where that exchange, one of my favorite exchanges in the entire Bible in Exodus 33, where Moses says, God, you have to go with us. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to I'm going to provide the way I'm going to handle all the business for you. You go into the promised land, but I'm not going with you. And Moses says, if you don't go with us, if your presence is not with us, if you are not here, I'm not moving. I don't want the blessings or the promise if it means I have to give up your presence. Such a powerful, 
moment, if you don't go with us, how will anyone know that we belong to you? And this is the moment that he says, God, show me your glory. And it leads us to our passage today in Exodus 34. Starting in verse four, it says this. So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning, he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. He carried the two stone tablets in his hand and the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow. This is God describing himself. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parent upon the children and the grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in third and fourth generation. And Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and he worshiped. And he said, oh Lord, if it's true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. And I love this part here. The Lord replied, listen, I am making a covenant with you in the presence of all your people. I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people around you will see the power of the Lord, the awesome power I will display for you. But listen carefully to everything I command you today. Then I will go ahead of you and drive out the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perivites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. God promises to be patient for a Thousands, for thousands of years, for a thousand generations. You and I struggle to be patient for a hundred seconds. Like, we just don't have that level of patience. God says, this is how I'm describing myself. And, and, and I don't know why this landed so heavy for me this week. So important for us to have this conversation because I don't think we spend enough time understanding the depth of God's love for us. Understanding the, the depth of, of how he feels about us. I don't, I don't think we spend enough time reflecting on the fact that he lavishes his love and his mercy on us. He describes himself, he says, I am, I am Jehovah. I am the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger. I am filled. I am overflowing with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish. I lavish. Like how you, you, put, you just like lavish a good butter on top of some bread. It's just like the more you can get, the better. I lavish it. I'm not... I'm not cautious with this forgiveness. I'm not cautious with this grace. I'm not strategically placing it into your life. I lavish it on you. And I forgive and I love for thousands of generations. I've heard it said this way. Forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it enlarges the future. It doesn't change what happened in the past, but it enlarges the future. 
And this is such an important thing because, because knowing that God is slow to anger and he's abundant in love should, should cause us to have confidence when we come to the throne of God. It should cause us to, to come with this confidence of knowing that, that he's going to receive us and, and accept us. But what ends up happening is that the enemy of our soul tells us that the moment that you mess up, the moment that you you, you kind of slack in your relationship with God. The moment that you make a decision that you know he's not going to like, you make a decision that's within your own power and your own strength for your own vices and your own thing, that the moment you do that, that your responsibility in that moment is to get as far away from him as possible. Because the only response he would have, because you're breaking his trust and you're breaking his heart, the only thing you should do is give him space. And God goes, whoa. False. The moment that you make a decision that breaks my heart, my response to you is to lavish love, to lavish forgiveness. I want you close. Don't go away. But this is not how we, this is not how we act. We assume that because we're, we're connected with God that, and, and it's described as a relationship that it's just like our relationship with one another, where if you break my trust, what you're going to be met with is disappointment or and anger and frustration and the cold shoulder. And God goes, hey, as much as I described this as a relationship, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My love is way deeper than your love. You have a glimpse of what the love truly is. God says, you're not going to be met with disappointment and anger and rejection. I love how Hebrew says, Hebrews 4, 14 says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Not we'll find grace when we're on our best behavior. Not we'll find grace when we've done enough things to earn it. You will receive grace when you need it the most. Jesus said it so powerfully in John 6, 37. And this is a verse you need, to, you need to memorize. This needs to be at the center of your relationship. Jesus says, everyone my father has given to me will come. And all who come to me, I will embrace and will never turn them away. You see, we all tend to have this small pocket of our life where we have difficulty believing God's forgiveness and his grace can reach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get God can forgive this part. I get that God's grace can cover this part. But <laughs> there, there's, some, there's some deeper parts in there. There's some deeper struggles. There's some deeper thoughts, deeper secrets. 
I don't know if God's grace can cover those. And sometimes you feel that way because that dark part of your life you secretly want to hold on to. There's, there's this, this part of you that's like, I enjoy having this thing and, and I feel guilty afterwards and I, and I feel bad, but like, if, I don't know that I'm ready to fully give that up. And those are the parts that we think, I don't know if God can forgive me for that. Jesus says, I will embrace all those who come to me and I will never turn them away. I realized last year in some studying and some reflection of my own self that it's really easy for me to believe that, that Jesus forgives my past sins. But I have a hard time believing that he forgives me for those times that I mess up in the present because I should know better. And I assume, well, here I am, a pastor. I should know better than to, to stumble and have these mistakes. Or I should know better than to to have these thoughts and these struggles. Like, I should know better. I shouldn't have these issues. So I don't think, I don't think Jesus wants me to be near him because I should know better. And when I mess up, I, I find myself still putting this distance between us. And that closes a gap pretty quickly. But it still happens. I still allow those lies to sneak in and go, Jesus needs, Jesus needs a break from you. He needs a little, he needs time to breathe, go in the room by himself, just catch his breath. Jesus says, all who come to me, I will embrace them. I will never turn them away. Jesus doesn't say, I will embrace those who come to me feeling really bad about their mistake. I will embrace those who come to me who have this determination to never do it again. If you don't have that determination, then don't come to me. You better be ready to change. You better, you better have all these things. You better have this, this effort and this decision and, and uh, this pure, I'm crying and pouring this out before you. I'll never do this again. This is the last time. Jesus says, all who come to me. No other qualifications. No other prerequisites. All who come to me, I will embrace them and I will never turn them. I will never cast them out. I will never push them away. I will never shun them. I will never say, you, you've done too much. You've gone too far. You shouldn't be still struggling with that. You've messed up far too many times. Why are you still dealing with this? Jesus says, when you come, I will embrace you. This is important for somebody to understand that you're allowing there to be this gap in your relationship with Jesus, this distance between you and Jesus, because you're assuming that there's disappointment and there's anger 
and there's rejection waiting for you when you turn back to him. But Jesus is simply saying today, come to me. And what you will be met with is my love, my mercy. You see, part of this faith journey for us is this, is this slow process of letting go the assumptions we have about God. This slow journey of, of dropping those lies and those doubts and those assumptions we had about what a, a God would do. If, if we were in his seat, we would handle things this way. And it's, it's this long journey of us dropping those assumptions replacing those lies and believing who God insists he is. God doesn't gently suggest, by the way, I probably kind of sort of love you. I lavish unfailing love and forgiveness, grace and mercy, the depth of who he is, him, the Bible is this love letter to us from God, repeating over and over and over again how much he loves us and cares for us, how he's forgiven us, not for what just happened, but forgiving us for more. I want you to remember what he told Moses. He says, not only am I forgiving you, but I am making a covenant with you. In the presence of all your people, I will perform miracles that have never been performed anywhere on earth or in any nation. And all the people around you, they will see the power of the Lord, the awesome power I will display. And then I will go ahead of you and I will prepare the way. I will drive away your enemy. His, his promise was that you'll see the miraculous in your own life. His promise is that your, your life will not only impact you, but it will be a, an example an impact on those that are around you. They will see God's power in you. But I love the implications of this. God is making it clear. God's promise was forgiveness for our past, his presence for today, and his favor for the future. Forgiveness for our past, his presence in today, and his favor in the future. The problem is that we have to receive that forgiveness and not allow those hidden areas of our heart and our soul to keep us from receiving the totality of his love for us. We've got to give him access to those parts. Receive fully this forgiveness. Shut down the lies of the enemy that says, well, in this part of your life, you need to just keep God out of it because he would be disappointed. He'd be ashamed. He would be upset. Because without forgiveness, we give room in our hearts and our minds for shame. Think, think back to, to Adam and Eve. The moment that they broke trust, they ran from God. They hid themselves and they put clothes on. They made clothes out of leaves to cover themselves. Why? Because they were ashamed. And God says, who told you that? Who told you that? We make it harder for us to recognize that we carry the image of God in our hearts. We lose sight of how he feels about us. We lose sight of what he wants for us. I love what happens next, both in the Old Testament and 
and what we're going to see here in a second in the New Testament. As Moses was coming down again with the tablets the second kind, second time, he'd had this incredible moment with God. The Bible describes it that his face was covered with radiant light. That as he delivered these words from God to the people, that his face was shining with a light. When he got done talking, the people said, can you please cover your face? It's too much. It's too much to see the reflection of God off of your face. So he would wear this veil until he was back in the presence of God and he would take the veil off and he was completely there. Listen, listen to what Paul says about this moment. He says this in 2 Corinthians 3. Since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, that same veil covers their mind so they cannot understand the truth. This veil can be re removed only by believing and Jesus Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses's writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Paul says the veil is gone where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. There is hope. There is healing. There is the ability to shine his glory into the lives of others. But what happens is when we refuse to receive this love and this mercy and this grace and this forgiveness, it's almost like we're reading the words and we're covering our face with this veil because we're not ready to receive it. We cover our hearts with this veil that doesn't let it fully illuminate our hearts and our soul. But Paul says, remove the veil. Believe in the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. Believe that what he did on the cross was more than enough for your sins yesterday, today, and for tomorrow. That his love for you is so overwhelming that if you remove the veil, his promises, his miracles will show up today. And the impact is that people will see the glory of God in and through your life, that you are reflecting his love and his mercy and his grace and this lavished, unfailing love. You get to shine that into the lives of the people around you. Family, there comes a point in time where you and I have to fully accept what Jesus has done and we silence the lies of the enemy. We silence the lies who says, your story is done. What is done is done, it's over. You, you can't move past this moment. You have to understand that your forgiveness was not simply to eliminate guilt and, to sh and shame, but to open the door to freedom and to favor. 
The Lord has promised that miracles will be seen in your life. The Lord has promised that your life, your light will impact others and that he has gone before you to prepare the way you were not created to hide. You were created to reflect his glory, his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness. You were forgiven for more. For more than just getting over your guilt and shame, you were forgiven to shine his glory to those around you. You were forgiven to see his hand at work in your life, to see his power moving. You were forgiven for freedom and for favor. So as we get ready to pray today, I just... I want you to see this little phrase on the screen, this challenging question for all of us. We have to ask ourselves and and fill this out. Today, I fully accept your forgiveness for blank so that I can experience the freedom you have for me. What is it in your heart and your soul that you need Jesus to offer you total freedom from? You've held on to it for so long. You've held on to it because there's a little part of you that wants to keep it. You've held on to it because there's there's this this area of, of you that you just feel like God won't be able to forgive that thought. He won't be able to forgive that habit. He won't be able to forgive and heal that part of your life. What area do you need to surrender to him today? Say, Jesus, I am going to accept your full forgiveness so that I can live in the freedom you have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, I pray in your name. I pray right now that you would silence the lies of the enemy. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would, you would shut down those, those thought processes and those habits and those experiences that have placed a stronghold in our hearts and minds that have guarded themselves from receiving your forgiveness. We break down those walls in the name of Jesus and we claim freedom and forgiveness in every area of our lives. God, that you have made promises after promises after promises about how you feel about us, how you see us, how you know us, how you love us, how you've forgiven us. And so, Jesus, we stand on what you did on the cross and we receive full forgiveness for everything. We let go of those things that we've held on to and allow that forgiveness and that freedom to unlock favor and mercy, and glory in our hearts. Jesus, I pray for those who are watching today that maybe they haven't asked you to be the leader of their lives, that they haven't surrendered who they are to you. I pray that you give them the boldness to pray a simple prayer that says, Jesus, I've done it on my own for far too long. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave three days later. And I believe that you have done this to put me in a right standing with my heavenly father. But you have forgiven me, not just for my sins, but you have forgiven me to give me access to the more that is found in a relationship with you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in your strong and your mighty name. Amen.